So, at this point, okay, Claire um, Holland is going to come up here and share with us. She has been through the leadership class. She was actually supposed to be and scheduled to be on the stage in January um, of this year. Um, but she went and had twins on us, and so she's a stay-at-home mom with her twins. Um, but to finish out that class, I need her to share the message. She shared it with my staff, and it was one that I needed to be spoken to you as well. And so we have invited her up here to do that. So Claire, why don't you come on up here, and I will go down there. Good morning, Vineyard. I'm really excited to be here with you today. My name is Claire Hollins, and maybe you might recognize me. We might know each other, or maybe you might recognize me because I prayed over you up here. You might recognize my husband who plays bass and drum up here, but I'm sure that if you don't recognize me and you don't recognize my husband, I'm sure you've seen that giant stroller that I lug my children around in in the comments area. It's freaking huge. It takes up so much area or so much room. Like Pastor Joe said, I recently went through the leadership class that he had, and so because of that, he's given me the opportunity to come up here and share with you what I feel like the Lord's been teaching me lately. So before we get into that, I'd, I'd like to pray before we get started. Father, we come before you, and we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're here, and you're ready to speak, and you've prepared what you're going to say to us today, and you've prepared a good work for today. I pray that you use these words to speak loudly and boldly, and you show us exactly what you need to say, and you leave any ambiguity out of it. And in your name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, we are going to go to Mark chapter 9. And if you don't have your Bibles, that's perfectly fine. It's going to show up on these screens behind me. And you are more than welcome to follow along either way. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 27. This is what it says. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? Or what are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at the teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus said. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they, brought the, uh, so they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a, a convulsion. And immediately threw the, he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said. Everything is possible to the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. I love this passage. If I had to pick a passage in the Bible that was probably my favorite and I thought modeled my life with God, it would be this one. I love that the Father has so much self-awareness and understanding of himself and his relationship with God to say, I, in my core, believe but I have pieces missing, and I need help overcoming that unbelief. 
I love that. I think that that's so telling and so, I just think it's beautiful. Before this passage, right before this, we see what's called a transfiguration. So Jesus takes his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. They go up onto a mountain. Jesus starts to change and look different. We see Moses show up. We see Elijah show up. And Peter's like, why don't we just live here? I can build a tent. We can live in a tent and never go down. And Jesus didn't listen to him. So then they left, and they went down. They met up with the other disciples, and we start to see this whole interaction unfold. We see Jesus talk with the Father. We see people arguing. We see Jesus cast this demon out of the boy, and the Father ultimately says and recognizes, I do believe that you can do this, but there's a piece of me still not sure yet. When we read stories like these, we tend to connect with the characters in these stories, right? When you're reading a story, you try and find people that you can relate to so you can better connect and better be engaged with the story. Maybe you're reading this and you're connecting with the disciples. You see them and you see what they're doing and you think, well, in my life, I'm doing everything I possibly can and nothing is working. It's just not panning out. I'm doing everything I know and have been taught to do. Maybe you connect with the boy. You are in a circumstance in your life that is out of control. You can't take yourself out of it. And you're just waiting for somebody to come along and help you out because you can't help yourself. Maybe you connect with the crowd. Maybe you're not really sure what all this is about, but you're kind of looking in. Looks a little interesting. I wonder what's happening here. Maybe that's where you sit. Or maybe, like me, You've read through this story and you connect with the Father because you realize that in your core you believe, but sometimes there's pieces that are not quite full yet, right? I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. God, I do believe that you're here right now, but I feel really alone. God, I do believe that you're going to provide, but I'm having a really, really hard time resting in that thought. God, I do believe that you have better for me, but I can't see that yet. These are things that we find ourselves saying to God. Now, we'll all go through those, those moments in life. Whether you've been through one before, you haven't been there yet, or you might be there right now. We will all go through those, but I feel like there's Three things the Lord wants us to know about those times when we cry out to him and say, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. The first thing is, God hears your cry. He's heard your cry. Every praise, every prayer, every pain, every time you've cried out to God, he has heard it. And he listens to you. But not only does he listen to you, he responds. He's not sitting up there and ignoring you, and he's not sitting up there and refusing to respond because of something you've done or something you've said or just to hold out on you. He's not doing that. Let's look together at Luke 11, 9 through 13. So I ask you, or so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for eggs, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? 
Similarly, in 1 John 5, 14 through 15, we see this. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. This is it. That, any, that if we ask anything in accordance to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. He listens to you every time. But he doesn't just listen. He responds. Now, God is our father. And as our father, he treats us as his children. When we talk to our children, we don't just listen and then walk away. That would be crazy. When your kids ask for the 18th snack for the past hour, or ask for an extended bedtime, or for friends to come over, or if they're like my two-year-old, they ask to pray more so they can prolong how, going to bed. So, when our children ask these things, we don't just sit there and nod and, yeah, I heard you, and then walk away. That would be crazy to never respond to our children ever. It's the same way with God. He responds, but understand, his timing is better than my timing, which is very frustrating because when I don't hear from God in three to five business days, I'm a little upset, right? Imagine how the father of this demon-possessed boy felt. He waited years for God to answer his prayer. Years! Can you imagine the anguish and how distraught he was year after year watching his son be possessed by a demon that's trying to kill him and God's not answering? But God did answer later. He, God answered in his own timing. Notice that, as Jesus, notice that as Jesus answered his prayer, he also taught him something about himself. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus made him recognize that his faith is not whole. He's still missing something. This past November, my whole family got sick. I had two very small babies. I had a two-year-old. We all five of us got RSV. It was the longest month of my life, and I thought it would never end. And in those moments, when I was sitting there and I'm holding my sick babies, I cried out to God. I begged. I pleaded. And I said, please, take this from them. Take this sickness from them for my mental sanity, for their health. And I even tried to barter with him and say that if you heal them right now, it's not only good for them, but it also brings glory to you. So how about that? And he didn't listen to me. They went through the natural progression of healing. But in those moments where I was crying out to God saying, I don't see you here right now and I need you to show up. I believe that you can do something, and I believe you will do something, but I need help seeing that. In the moments I waited for my answer, God whispered to me and said, I'm here, and I'm all you need. I'm here, and I'm all you need, he says. So when you're in those moments, remember, God is saying, I am here and I'm all you need. Now, maybe this isn't something you struggle with. Maybe this isn't something that you're like, oh, I got that down. I know he answers. I know he'll answer in his own timing. But maybe the reason that you're thinking, why haven't I gotten an answer yet? Maybe you're thinking it's not because God doesn't listen to me, but maybe it's because I haven't done it right yet. 
Maybe I haven't prayed enough or I haven't read my Bible enough. I haven't spent enough time with God for him to answer my prayer. Well, we can't be perfect. We can't be perfect. We can never be perfect. And because we can't be perfect, nothing about us can be perfect. Your faith can't be perfect. Our faith is never perfect. Now, if we could have perfect faith, we would be exactly like Jesus. There'd be nothing else to learn, nothing else to do. We would have achieved the goal. We'd be done. But we don't get perfection. God hasn't asked perfection of us. So why do we ask it of ourselves? Stop putting things on your own shoulders that God didn't put there. He didn't ask you to be perfect. He asked you to do it. Stop telling yourself you need to be perfect. Perfection is not the goal. The goal is to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. That's my goal. My goal is to be more like Jesus today than I was six years ago. God knows that we're not going to be perfect, and he chose us anyway. Look at 1 John 2, 4 through 6. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. It's not my job to be perfect. It's not your job to be perfect. Your job is to walk in the way that Christ walked and follow in the direction that he set out from the beginning. But just because we're not going to be perfect doesn't mean we get to quit. I don't get to sit down and throw my hands up and be like, well, if I can't do it right, then I'm not going to do it at all. That's not what we get to do. Because I can't be perfect doesn't mean I get the option to quit. We continue on. The father of this demon-possessed boy didn't quit. He waited and he prayed and he asked until God answered his prayer. Even though... God answered his prayer in a while, and he taught him something about himself when he answered the prayer. God honored his faith where it was when he answered it. He knew his faith wasn't perfect. God knew his faith wasn't perfect. But God honored his willingness to step out and recognize and admit that he wasn't perfect. God honored his faith where it was. Now, anything worth doing it's going to be hard at times. Because we're not perfect, sometimes we'll doubt. And doubt is fine. Doubt is normal, doubt is natural. We all have doubt at times. But I don't get to sit in my doubt and say, because I'm doubting, I don't really believe, so I'm going to just stay here, and I guess I quit. We don't get to do that. When we doubt, we ask God to help us through this, help show us how to get out of this, and we ask for support from the community around us to help us get through when we can't carry ourselves through. In these moments of I do believe, but help me in my unbelief, in these moments of doubt, we will hear lies from the devil. He will tell us lies, and he will say, well, it's really not that big of a deal, right? It's, it's, it's minor. You can do this on your own. Or maybe you hear him say, like, this, your friends don't want to hear this. They don't want to put up with this. This isn't really that big to ask people to help you with. 
Or maybe he hear, you'll hear, this is too small for God. God's too busy. He doesn't need to have this on his plate. You don't need to ask God for help. You can do this on your own. All of these are lies that the devil will tell you. But let me tell you that God is bigger than those lies. God is bigger than the lies that you hear. God is bigger than the devil himself. And God is bigger than any situation that you are facing. So why wouldn't we ask him for help? Why wouldn't we bring him everything, knowing that he's bigger and stronger than anything we'll face? So, whenever we face these moments, whenever we go through these times of, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief, what do we do, right? I've got some things to remember, but how do I apply this? Luckily, we don't just have to like run around and I guess. God gave us the answer. The answer is to go deeper. The answer is to go deeper. Press in to your relationship with God. Press in to your relationship and your understanding of him. Get to know him for who he truly is. Spend time with him. Because how can you get to know anyone if you're not spending time with them? It's impossible. If you want to see improvement in your life and you want to see improvement in these situations, I promise you that as soon as you start to get deeper and you start to go deeper in your relationship with God, you will start to see him work in big ways and in small ways in your life. You will see God show up all the time and everywhere you'll see him. Now, when we go deeper, this isn't something that I can just do until I feel better and then go back to what I was doing and come back whenever something's messed up again and then, you know, go back to God whenever I'm, I'm, I'm something screwed up. We don't get to do that. This is a constant, lifelong effort to go deeper with God, to pursue Him more readily, to pursue Him deeper, and to see what He has for me down the line. This isn't something we can do to completion. This is something we work at day in and day out. But it is so worth it. So, I can tell you that you need to go deeper until I'm blue in the face. But that doesn't help you until I give you some ways to go deeper. So let's look at James 5, 13 through 16. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. James lays it out for us right there. This is how we go deeper. We go deeper by praying. Praying is an amazing tool that God has given us. This is our way to communicate one-on-one -on -one with the God of the universe, the creator of the universe. This is how we talk with him one-on-one. -on -one. He gave us the ability to do that. So why wouldn't he want us to take advantage of it? 
Prayer is how we talk to God, how we hear from God, how we sit and, and encourage ourselves. It's a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. And he wants that. He gave you that ability to pray because he wants to talk to you. Now, it's not always necessarily been like that. If the Israelites wanted to confess sins, they had to have an intermediary. They had to have a high priest to go before God on their behalf. We don't have to do that. I can go before God on my own and say, I screwed up. Please help me. I don't have to have anybody talk to God on my behalf. I get to do that myself. Prayer is an amazing way to go deeper in your relationship with God. We go deeper by praising God. We praise no matter what your circumstances are. No matter what life has, we praise. I praise when it's good. I praise when it's bad. I praise when it's just another Tuesday. And even when I can't find the words to praise, and I can't find something to praise God for, I can still thank him for everything he's done in the past and every place he's shown up before, and I can thank him for where I see him working right now. Every situation, we praise God. We confess our sins, and in confessing our sins, that also takes us deeper. To recognize that I've messed up, here's where I've messed up, please help me to stop this. God, I, I stumbled again, and I know I did that, and I know I shouldn't have done it. Please help me to stop that. But confessing our sins to God is great. But in confessing our sins to those around us, it's easier to, be, to find accountability. And it's easier to find yourself staying away from whatever you're messing up in if someone else knows what's going on. If I know that if I look somebody in the face and they know exactly where I'm struggling and they'll call me out on it, I'm more likely to stay away from it. We confess our sins with each other to get accountability, which also provides a sense of community. We go deeper by getting involved in community. We go deeper by getting involved in the church. God created the church. When Jesus left this earth and ascended into heaven, he gave us the ability to start the church. He gave us the Holy Spirit, and he told us, go forth and make disciples. Go forth and make the church. He gave us the church, told us to go start the church, so why wouldn't we get involved? Going deeper, if I'm doing this by myself, then it's really easy to, you know, see everything through my perspective and understand the way I understand it. But when you get involved in community, maybe you've had this experience in a small group, or maybe you've had this experience talking with a friend. You see something from somebody else's perspective, and you learn more about God through their perspective than you would have if you did it just on your own. Community offers us perspective, offers us the ability to see God in different ways. And that's an amazing thing. In community, we pray together, we praise together, we confess our sins together. That's why Pulse is so powerful, because we're getting together with the intent, with the intention of being together, praising God together, praying together, 
and moving forward. It's so powerful because we say we're getting together solely to seek God's face. That's all I want, is to just see God move. Think of the five closest people to you, and be completely honest with yourself. Five closest people to you. Will they push you towards God, or will they pull you away? Let me give you an example of what it means to go deeper. There's a show called Ted Lasso, and one of the characters on Ted Lasso is called Jamie Tart, and he is one of the best soccer players on the Richmond team. And he's really good. He gets a little cocky about himself because he knows he's good, but he recognizes that he can go deeper, and he can get better, and he can do better for his team. So he asks one of the coaches to train him. And they get up at four in the morning, they run around the park, they do burpees in the park, they do all this stuff. He puts in the work to get better. He put in the work to go deeper so he could do what he knew that he could for his team, so he could lead his team to victory. He wanted to go deeper, so he put in the work to do it. So do you, do you associate with Jamie? Do you see yourself there? Do you want to go deeper? but you need help. Are you in a situation that you're crying out to God and saying, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief? I want to pray for you, and then we'll go into a song and spend some time in ministry. But before that, let's pray. God, we thank you for what you've said here today. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in this community, what you're doing in the life of this church. We thank you for what you're doing and what you're saying and where you're leading us. God, help us in our unbelief. We do believe, but we need help in some places. We ask that you help us and you speak boldly. And in your name we pray. Amen.